When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Purple Daily is Daily Vikings Entertainment. We just want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. I will ride with this group. Seriously, man. Please. The way we go. All right, Purple Daily on draft every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. The NFL offseason is officially here. Super Bowl is over with. Great game last night. The Chiefs win another Super Bowl. Uh, we'll actually have a full breakdown of that, too, on uh, the main episode of Purple Daily with Mackie Judd and myself. But Purple Daily on draft, I mean, this show really is now uh, kicking into overdrive. Now that the NFL offseason is here, what, we're about eight, nine, ten weeks or so away from the NFL draft. So uh, plenty of things to get to, plenty of things to fix the Vikings. Uh, but, boys, I want, do want to start with this. Also, we will do a mock uh, in, in the middle of this show, so uh, stay tuned for that. But uh, our buddy, our good pal, Thor Nystrom, uh, he is actually also back on Purple Daily. You can find him on Thursdays with Mac Eden Judd. Um, he threw out a very hot take that, i.e., broke the internet to a degree. Uh, I'm still getting Twitter just notifications from this. Was He said J.J. McCarthy is actually a lot closer to the top three than a lot of people are giving him credit for, and there's a lot of dis, uh, discrediting and misinformation about J.J. McCarthy. And then you're starting to see mocks from over the weekend as a Super Bowl wraps up that have J.J. McCarthy as a top 10 pick. So look at Thor Nystrom just influencing mock drafts uh, with his hottest takes here on Purple Daily. So we have talked about J.J. McCarthy before on this podcast, and we will also talk a little bit of Jaden Daniels because there was some interesting buzz from the Vikings side on that that I want to get to too. Uh, But just starting with this, I guess, Forno, do do you see J.J. McCarthy as actually one of the top three quarterbacks or a quarterback that stock is just going to continue to rise as the uh, NFL draft inches closer. So this is going to sound like a little bit insulting. I really don't. I don't think McCarthy is that close to Drake may. I think Drake may might end up being my quarterback one. I have not done my full watch of Caleb Williams yet, but I know I have a lot of questions about him playing within structure and he gets those unfair comparisons to Patrick Mahomes because of how special he is trying to create outside of that structure element. And Mahomes couldn't really create inside of structure at Texas tech either. And that year sitting behind Alex Smith, really was a massive benefit to him growing and becoming the player that he is today. May is special. 
And I think what is going to make him special early on, along with like a lot of the talents that he has to be able to drive the ball down the field, he already has a degree in quick game. So that baseline is going to give you a lot right away. And I am very, very high on Drake May right now. I believe he's the number two player on my board, only behind Marvin Harrison Jr. And the way I do my board, if I, if I fully watch you, you're on my board. If I haven't, you're not. So that could change a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And it's not an insult to McCarthy. I think he's a really good prospect. I gave him a, a mid to high second round grade. But the big thing with McCarthy is there's still so many questions you have to answer. But you see the potential. If you buy that high into the potential, I completely see having him higher than I do. But I still have questions. And those questions bog down the overall grade for me. And I've talked about it before. If you believe in the guy, you just mm-hmm. take him at 11. Yep. Uh, and I think part of this is the normal ebbs and flows of, hey, some people just have not done a full watch of McCarthy, and they just watch Michigan Live. If you watch Michigan Live, McCarthy barely does anything to help that <laughs> yeah. team win, but that's not his fault. It's not because McCarthy's a bad player. It's because this is how Jim Harbaugh likes to win football games. It was the same at San Diego, Stanford, and San Francisco. The quarterback is a piece to the machine, and they are not treated like the guy. And because they're not treated like the guy, sometimes you can get a little bit of a misconstrued evaluation because of it. But once you really dive in and you see some of those underlying metrics that Thor talked about, he's dynamite on third and fourth and long. One of the best in the country, if not the best. And the ability to drive the ball into tight windows, some of those seam routes that he throws are just beautiful. And he can go through progressions really nicely. He needs work. He's not a finished product. He's 21 years old. He has 600 passing attempts, but he's very good. I don't think he's close to the top three, but I also don't think he's that far off. It's my quarterback four, and he's mm-hmm. a really, really good prospect. And you want to have him at, at three. I'm going to, I'm just going to disagree with you, but I also get it because the potential is sky high. Miles, are you buying this uh, JJ McCarthy stock that actually he he could be one of the top three guys off the board? We've I've, the way we've framed him up a lot on this show, and we've talked to Duluth about obviously if he's your guy, go get him. But it seemed like as the college football season winded down, um, and as we started to talk more McCarthy, it felt like he was more of the pair and the developing options if you were to re-sign Kirk Cousins to kind of have in the wings to learn. Now it feels like he could be taken as high as obviously one of the top three quarterbacks off the board. And maybe he is someone that can start in his rookie season, maybe right away in week one. Are you buying the J.J. McCarthy stock that he actually is one of the top three quarterbacks to go off the board? I don't know if it's a if he'll for sure be the top three, but I think he's obviously put himself in that top 15 position mm-hmm. within the draft. And I think that in itself is really important for the Vikings. If, if we're talking about Vikings and and where they view like wanting to take a quarterback with that first pick, having as many top 10-ish uh, prospects with at quarterback and in this case four of them is a good thing for the Vikings because that means you know the top three might not be all quarterbacks and that gives the Vikings wiggle room to make a move whether it's up slightly up or a, a big jump up like to go get one of those four guys and I think for me that's always kind of been my case is like if whether it's JJ at three JJ McCarthy at three Jane Daniels at three like whatever it is like pick your poison but I think as long as one of those four guys is viewed from the league as like a top 10, top 15 pick. That's just a good thing for the Vikings. So I, I mean, I think to, to what Forno's saying is like, it's just basically like pick your poison. I think, I think it's just about preference at that point. I think, I think the underlying like statistics with JJ McCarthy, I I'm not humble brag, but like going into the, into the season, he was my QB three. 
And I think it was just because of a lot of the traits that I saw. Um, but I do think the one thing with McCarthy compared to like a Jane Daniels, for example, is like, I think you could fit, you could fit JJ McCarthy into a really good scheme. Whereas I think with uh, Jane Daniels, you're fitting a scheme around, around him. So I think that's a little bit of the, the key difference. And that doesn't mean as JJ McCarthy grows, you can't do that same thing for him. But I think there's a little bit more of a runway for him to fit into a specific scheme right away. Whereas Jane Daniels, you might want to f- need to figure out how you, how you fit him and, and what you fit around him. Um, Cause I think his skill set's amazing. And I think he's, he's, he's shown his accuracy and his arm strength and his arm talent to go with his rushing ability. But I think how you fit an offense around him is going to might take a little bit more time than how you would put JJ McCarthy into like a, a Minnesota Vikings offense, where I think you could plug and play him potentially right away because I think of how, how, what, how he was utilized at, in Michigan, if that makes sense. I think a run, run heavy offense, uh, wide, sc- wide zone scheme, play action. I think a lot of those things are, are things that he could, and, and managing the line of scrimmage. I think those are things JJ McCarthy could go into right away as a potentially as a rookie and develop quickly in those areas where he could be successful quickly. I'm not saying Jane, Jane Daniels can't be successful. I almost said Jane McDaniels because Timberwolves. <laughs> I do it all the time but, as well. But I think um, it's not that he can or won't be successful early as a rookie. I just think a team would need to take a little bit more time to kind of like fit in offense around him. Whereas I think JJ McCarthy could get up to speed pretty quickly with what the Vikings currently do. Um, if, if that's a, you know, in my yeah. opinion. So it's not, it's not that I, I probably would still lean Jane Daniels. Cause I think that the traits are just special. Whereas I think JJ McCarthy's traits are like kind of like a little bit of what we saw with like a Brock Purdy last night. And I don't yeah. mean this in any negative way. Brock Purdy was making moves with his legs, making guys miss. And he's, and he's throwing down fielding and, and uh, really accurately. Uh, and I think that's a thing that JJ McCarthy can do. And we saw him extend plays at Michigan and we, we saw him extend, uh, um, drives, third downs, fourth downs, those areas, those key areas that you want your quarterbacks to be really good in. Uh, McCarthy was really good at at Michigan. So I, I do want to talk to Jaden Danis here before we get there. And Miles, you kind of brought it up at the end of your point there. How easy is it for no, or maybe is it an easier transition or is it just a big assumption to make that Kevin O'Connell can plug in someone like JJ McCarthy and make the offense kind of around him where Brock Purdy is, you know, not just some guy, but you know, the offense is tailored completely with good coaching and scheming. And that's why Brock Purdy can kind of step in as the last pick and be a good dude right away where Jaden Daniels, you might have to actually, you know, scheme your entire offense around him because he's a completely different playmaker. My long-winded point is, do you think JJ McCarthy is someone that you can plug and play here and Kevin O'Connell can kind of use the things around him to make him successful right away in 2024? It's a really good question. I think it's going to be a little bit of both for both guys. And if we're just talking McCarthy and Daniels, I think the way that Daniels uh, anticipates windows coming open and how he's able to attack down the field, I really think that'll translate well into Kevin O'Connell's offense. And what really will intrigue me if they get a guy who's truly mobile and McCarthy's not a runner. And I, I use this comparison a lot. He, he's kind of like an Aaron Rodgers runner. You don't want him running, but when he does, he can gash you for 20 yards. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of uh, style of play that he has. He's really good at being able to kind of create when things break down and be able to scramble outside the pocket. But is Kevin O'Connell really going to want to add that rushing element? How much is he going to truly change his offense this season? He added a little bit here and there, but it's so incredibly difficult to install plays for a guy that doesn't even know the basic concepts of the playbook, which is what we had with Josh Dobbs. You can't install like a huge read option package when he needs to learn everything so 
now that you have a, a guy throughout the entire offseason, how are, is he going to be able to adapt that playbook? How much is he going to add for this new quarterback? I think that's a real question. I think he will, based on the small sample size that we had of him being willing to change the offense a little bit for the quarterback that's in there. But you can only do so much within the season, and the, when you have the offseason, you can make a lot more wholesale changes. I think both guys could be successful in some of the concepts that O'Connell likes to run. I don't know if either guy would necessarily be more successful either either way because of some of the things that they're good at and some of their limitations, but I would trust Kevin O'Connell to kind of make it work. I know that's kind of a long-winded point to saying I really don't know, but that's the thing. We don't because some of those things, you can't actually answer the question until the question has been truly asked. Right. And right now, the question hasn't been truly asked. So O'Connell was half-assed last year, but when you half-ask it, it's not going to give you the full scope of the answer that you're looking for, especially when you're trying to develop a rookie high draft pick. Because like the the Jaron Hall thing is a completely different situation because you're you're still trying to develop him and you'd like him to work out. And if he becomes a franchise guy, that's a massive home run. But it's a little bit of a different situation and approach when you draft a guy in round one versus when you draft a guy in round five. So I'm excited to be able to ask that question and see how it goes. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Miles, I know you're a big Jaden Daniels guy, and I, I believe Dan Graziano advanced a nugget over Super Bowl weekend that said, you know, if the Vikings want to address their quarterback long term, you know, the idea of bringing in Daniels, an LSU guy, to pair with Justin Jefferson could make obviously two things happy. It makes the Vikings find their future quarterback, keeps Justin Jefferson around in purple long term, and keeps him happier. And then our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson also uh, tweeted on Saturday night that, uh, to no surprise, Daniels would enjoy landing here equals the word. So you've been a big Jaden Daniels guy. I mean, I, I feel like he would be that'd be one of the more exciting picks you'd like to see here. Um, how realistic is it? You think that the Vikings could go up and maybe trade up for Jaden Daniels. And by the way, I think that's what we might do on our mock draft here in a little bit. too. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the Vikings and we, we've kind of heard the rumblings the last, like I think during the Super Bowl week um, this last week was the Vikings want to kind of figure out their quarterback answer as quickly as they can, like whether it's Kirk cousins uh, draft, you know, combination of both, whatever that is. I think the the plan over the next few weeks is for them to be, be as aggressive as they can to to move up. I think they want that situation kind of hammered out ahead of free agency. So I yes, I, I think I think it's realistic. Now that doesn't mean that it's it's gonna be easy. Um, but I think what we've seen over the last few years across the league is is teams making those aggressive moves. We've seen it dating back to like when uh, the Rams and Eagles did it back with Goff and Wentz. We've seen it, you know, with uh uh, with the 49ers, with, with Trey Lance. We've seen it with uh, the Jets, with Sam Darnold. Like, teams are willing to go be aggressive, to go get their guy. Obviously, the Mahomes and, and Josh Allen situations, too. Those are different outliers in that the outcomes that came from it. But I think the the process in itself is still there uh, for all these teams uh, to go get and be, be have a conviction for the guy you want to go get. And I think the Vikings want that to be the case. I think they want to be aggressive because they want to have that control of, of who they're getting. They don't want somebody to just fall to them and hope 
that that guy's you know, oh, maybe we like we like that guy enough maybe to take him. But I think I, I truly think just with this regime, it's more about like having that conviction in the guy. And I think that matters to them and, and going to get the guy. So I think, you know, with these top four quarterbacks, I think, you know, be able to go get in the top five, whatever the whatever the, the realm is. I think if they try to make a move early before the draft, it's definitely going to be top three. I think that's the ideal scenario because you get to control a little bit more of your fate in that situation. Whereas, uh, you know, four or five, you don't really know what the, the top three is going to play out. So you want to give yourself that flexibility. And so I think I think it's realistic. Um, but again, I, it's going to be really difficult to do because it's going to cost a lot. But I think what we've heard and what we've, you know, I expect is that they'll be willing to pay the price if they have that kind of conviction in somebody like a Jaden Daniels, for example. Yeah, I saw Daniel Jeremiah uh, tweet out, too, that he believes four or five teams are going to be moving up to, or could could be moving up uh, to land a quarterback well, this year. And the Vikings mm-hmm. having pick 11 is a mm-hmm. key situation here. Obviously, the Falcons, if the Falcons want to move up, they probably have the best inside track to do it because they're at eight. So it's a little easier to move up and, and have a team willing to move down. But the Vikings are right there next to them, right behind them mm-hmm. at 11, whereas any other team is behind the Vikings. So that's a, yeah. a little bit of an advantage. So, like, I, there's a lot of discourse on, on, on Twitter. But, like, losing that last game might matter in a positive way for the Vikings, whereas, like, some people thought, you know, winning – it's fun morale, blah, blah. No, like, I, again, I'm not saying that like lo- winning that game would have been like a horrible thing, but mm-hmm. having the 11th pick is still like in this scenario of wanting to move up makes it a little bit easier than if they had had 13 or 14. So I just think that that does have a, like, it does matter here in mm-hmm. to some degree. Absolutely. Um, well, you guys want to do a mock here? Should we do a live mock? By the way, I do have a PFF login now, so this will be a little bit easier. <laughs> there we go. I was going to say, you didn't, you didn't hit me up. I would have sent you one, but yeah. Luckily, uh, uh, Phil Mackey was able to provide me his uh, his login here. So here's what we'll do. So we have the PFF uh, mock up here. I'm going to get up our little uh, bright music and, and song and circum- uh, pomp and circumstance here. So what do we want to do? Do we want, before this draft starts, do we want to make a trade to maybe move up? Are we looking to get into the top three to secure Jaden Daniels? Are you safe with maybe going into five? Where What, what, what direction... Forno, would you like to lean on how we should go about this mock draft? I think you should try to trade up to three because three? Okay. I, I think I think if Kirk Cousins signs elsewhere, and let's let's go with with that thought going okay. into this. Yep. If he signs elsewhere, you got to try to make the trade. Uh, but like like we've talked about, you have to love three guys if you're making a trade up to three. You have mm-hmm. to. If you don't, you can't do it. You have to wait until draft day, and that becomes a really dangerous game. So let's let's work with the assumption Cousins is gone and they're okay. comfortable with all three guys at the top, okay. Daniels, May, and Williams. And then let's see if we can make that trade with three. Okay. Well, so, and that's also why having four guys in, in JJ McCarthy like scenario is also a good thing for the Vikings too, because that's just more guys that might be viewed as top ten picks for the Vikings to potentially like in that in that in that um area too. Okay, so according to PFF, this potential trade would work so we move up the Vikings move up to three they obviously swap with 11 you also would give up 42 so your second round pick and next year's first this says this trade will likely be accepted do you want to manipulate so, this or should we just hit send always so the, the one one downside about the pff mock draft simulators you cannot trade picks in 2026 so mm, yeah. I, I did a, a long in-depth piece on it using the rich hill trade chart which if you don't know the rich hill trade chart it's built off of historical examples. Yep. So that's why I like to use it because it's built off what teams have already done. Mm-hmm. So the point total that I have is pick 
Pick three is worth 514 points. If you give up yeah. 11 and then 25 and 26 first round picks, that gives them 539 points. Because the way you trade in the future years, if you trade yeah. a first round pick in 2025, it's valued as a second round pick this year. Mm-hmm. So that's a relatively simple trade that we're offering. I think yeah. you're going to have to do the Trey Lance package where you give two first round picks on top of 11 and then a day two pick. Probably You probably probably get away with a third, but that considering what we have to offer and with what the simulator is providing us, I think that's a, that's a good trade. Okay. All right. So let's offer them this trade. It was a set. The only, only other thing I was going to say is you could try to like, I think because of, obviously you can't move 26 picks like 2026 picks, but in that scenario, you would try to maybe like give them 42 and maybe get one of their like uh, round three, round four, round five picks back. So you're not completely hamstringing yourself, but yeah, obviously like, in this case, you're going to have to give up a lot either way to to make this move, but because um, now now the Vikings have one pick in the top 100, so you're you're kind of you know. But I mean, that's the that's the the price you got to pay. But all right, so quarterback quarterback off the board here. Drake May goes one to the Bears. Caleb Williams goes two. So that means we have options here. Obviously, we could go with Jaden Daniels, who uh, is one of the quarterbacks available here. Obviously, guys like McCarthy and Bo Nix are there, too. Should we draft Jaden Jaden Daniels and call this square? Are you guys I, good? I, I think Jaden Daniels is the obvious pick if you're going quarterback. Uh, if you don't go quarterback, I think you take Marvin Harrison Jr. But you don't trade up to three to go get a wide no, receiver, right. no matter how potentially generational he's going to be. Yeah, I, right. I think it's Jan- Daniels with a bullet. I think he's significantly better as a prospect right now than McCarthy. Uh, you could argue um, McCarthy has maybe a little bit more upside, but I think Daniels is also a little bit safer uh safe isn't necessarily the term you want to use but i think there's a ton of upside right. with what he has mm-hmm. to offer especially the significant growth he showed the second he got out of herman edwards uh program at arizona state if you remember his teammates cleaned out his locker for him the second he entered the transfer portal that was like a huge story in the world of college football daniels has grown significantly at lsu and i i think he'd be the pick with a bullet okay. i had a question yeah what like I, I don't think the Vikings would do this. I think this is more of a hypothetical looking at the board, though, with the two quarterbacks going first. Mm-hmm. Could you convince the Cardinals to come up to three to make sure that they get Marvin Harrison Jr.? Like, because maybe maybe the Chargers are calling, maybe the, the Giants are calling. The Vikings are like, oh, we could take an extra pick and, and move back and still get one of the top four quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, again, right. this is I don't think this would happen, but it's just my brain thinking like, hey, maybe we could recoup some of that draft capital, even even if it's just like a late day two pick. And and move back a spot. I think what like what the Vikings did when they got Matt Khalil, they uh they swapped with the Browns. Um, you know, maybe maybe the Cardinals are like, Hey, we don't want any to risk anything. We want Marvin Harrison Jr. We'll give you whatever uh like fourth round pick, third round pick it would take to swap here, but I don't know. That was just a, a thought I had. I think that would only work if the Vikings owned this pick, but they traded for it. I I don't see a scenario where the Cardinals would even pick up the phone because the Vikings traded up to go get that quarterback. They're not going to trade with anybody. They're in the I, spot I, that they wanted to be. I agree. I'm I'm more of just like spitballing getting it. Like greedy. it's just I like, like it. a, yeah, I'm getting greedy because it's a mock draft, right? And yep. you know that's what we do. I like it. I like it. We'll take. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd take Jane Daniels with a bullet too. Okay, and then we'll just probably go to turbo mode here to get us all the way down because we will not be on the clock uh, till 108. So Vikings uh, give up their second round pick. They take Jaden Daniels. Be yeah, not on the board again till pick 108. Well, also I also a, think. 
Yep. I was just going to say in this scenario, like if the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is gone, I think the Vikings are going to be spending a little bit more money in free agency to like, mm-hmm. I, I kind of tweeted this out yesterday as well. Like the Vikings could also look to be getting uh, some uh, comp, comp picks because they have a lot of like pretty high, well, not pretty. They have a lot of high free agent, uh, high quality free agents leaving in Daniil Hunter, Kirk Cousins, KJ Osborne, Kinetta, a comp pick, and then uh, DJ Wanham. Uh, Dalton Reisner. So I think there's a few guys there that the config floor, the, the team's going to know how to like position and maneuver that. But I think one key scenario there is like you let both those guys walk and you get potential comp picks for them that can help recoup some of the, the trade assets you sent. Yeah. But also like if Daniel Hunter walks out the door, I think what you could do instead of like trying to find one really good edge rusher is you go sign a few like mid to lower tier edge rushers that, that are younger, you know, like, uh, you ter you you ter gross matos like uh Jonathan Greenard, Mike Dana, um like some of the like you get like two or three guys rather than one one expensive guy, like that could be a scenario because it, when you don't have the draft capital anymore to help fill some of these these needs, you now get to use your um your uh your cap space to do it. And I think that's one thing because you moved up, the Vikings could be looking to do. The tough okay, part so of that is if you uh if you end up signing multiple guys, bye bye comp picks. That's, no, I know. That's what I'm, that's I'm saying. But there's conversation. There, yeah, there's a there's a give and take here. But it's just like if both of those guys are gone, then you still have you have room to fill the the holes you have not through the draft but through free agency so, or and cap space. So like that's just kind of the the give and take here is if you bring Kirk Cousins back, you got to fill a lot of your holes through the draft. Through the draft. But the opposite way, if you draft the quarterback and go up and get him, you have to do it through free agency because you don't have the draft capital anymore. All right. So 108. They're, this is the list of best players available right now. Obviously, Spencer Rattler will be off the board in this one, but you got Kalen King, a cornerback. Uh, you got Javon Baker, a wide receiver. Uh, you can take a running back. Where should we go here, Forno? Do you want to go with just the best player available, take a corner here? Do you want to get maybe more of a, an actual need? What are you thinking here at 108? I'm not really sold on either corner. Uh, okay. I, I think King is a, really just a, he's a zone-only corner, especially after kind of, watching him at Penn state and then seeing him at the senior bowl where I don't think he won a single rep. He got absolutely torched. And the, to me that that's a huge red flag where you can't even, he wasn't just losing. He was getting annihilated. It, it was really, really bad. And I'm kind of scared to turn on the tape to kind of see what it looked like there in some of those man coverage concepts. Javon Baker to me is discount Jamar chase where he gives you the, the a very, very similar profile, very similar play style but he's like 75% of what chase was as a prospect. I, I think I have him as my wide receiver 18. So I'm not really sold on him being a guy that I would really want to prioritize, especially because I don't see the vertical speed, which is one of the things that really allows chase to play the way that he does, because he can get separation with his speed and not just win with that physicality and those contested catches. Um, the one guy that really intrigues me here is Kyrie Jackson. And especially with how Flores has shown that he likes to use guys with versatility. And this is something that he's done all the way back to his days in new England, get versatile chess pieces. And then you can kind of use them however you want. And what's really intriguing about Jackson is he's a, a legit like six, three and a quarter and he's long and you can use that guy in the slot. You can use that guy on the back end. And the, the Vikings used three safeties last year. And my theory is they didn't do it because they wanted to do it. They did it because they didn't have enough at linebacker to be able to do anything on the second level. So they used Metellus as that kind of weapon. And you know what? It worked really well. 
at a certain point, though, you are going to have to beef up that second level. And unfortunately, this draft class is not the one to do it because the linebacker group is not very good. So how can you improve this defense? Get a guy who can be a chess piece, who can clog passing lanes, who can do a lot with that length. And I think Kyrie Jackson's a very intriguing prospect for that reason. Okay. Should we take Kyrie Jackson then? Let's do it. Alabama, Alabama transfer. Uh, I think he didn't play a lot there, but I think that in itself, getting those, getting coached up by Nick Saban is always a, a plus in my mind. Okay, and with so, the Alabama guys, they all yeah. sit. So it's yeah. it's not really a red flag either. <clears throat> no, not at all. So interesting spot here. So the Vikings need a running back. They also could use some interior line help. And a lot of the BPAs that are available here at 129, there's a running back, running back, tackle, center, tackle. There's even an edge. Um, Wisconsin's running, Brayson Allen's on here too. Like there's a lot of options here. Miles, their running back prospect that you would particularly like to see of, of these guys that are available that, that the Vikings could take? I mean, I think both Ray Davis and Marshawn Lloyd give you a little bit of, of something that the Vikings could really use in their in their offense. I mean, uh, just pulling up my notes too, like, where'd he go? Like, I don't know. I, I think Marshawn Lloyd, I, I know, I know, I think, I think Davis is probably more overall explosive, but I think yeah. Marshawn Lloyd might, might be a little bit more like overall. Um, I don't know, uh, Forno. Which which one do you lean in this case? I I, I know both. I know Marshawn Lloyd's been a, a popular name as of late, but I'd be curious what 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 you think of Davis too. I'm a big fan of Davis, and especially yeah. when you watch some of those games at Kentucky. It, the one game I always default to is against Florida. He ran for I think like 280 yards and three touchdowns. It's he's a little bit smaller, but yeah, he's only smaller in height. He's like five eight and a half, but he weighs like two fourteen, and he's stout. He's well built breaks tackles and has already run success excuse me successfully in a wide zone scheme because you got to remember new bucks right. offensive coordinator liam cohen was the offensive coordinator this past year at kentucky i really like what davis has to offer i also think he's relatively good in pass protection and you get a guy who's built well and has juice and like one of the issues with alexander madison is he's got everything except juice the juice just isn't there and if he had it the vikings could have an actual game changer at running back because he can see the field well he picks the right holes especially after some of the vision issues he had earlier in his career but with davis you're going to get some of that i'm not 100 percent sure what to think of lloyd yet i i have not done the full tape eval i he pops off uh, on occasion at usc but that offense is also uh like incredibly fake so It, it he's he's going to be I think a hard eval for me, but well, yeah, I'm and I think, Davis. yeah, I agree with that. I I think taking Davis there was good. I I think too like the Vikings need to figure out the run identity in itself. I th- I think they need to, they got to get that hammered yeah. out this off season. It's been two off seasons in a row where yeah. we've been talking about the run game and not being consistent, not being good overall. And I so I think they got to figure that out. And maybe Davis really helps that. Okay, so defensive line options now. Um, you have Grayson Murphy, you have Jordan Jefferson out of LSU. God, LSU, Jordan Jefferson, uh, Justin Jefferson. That'd be a fun one. Uh, do we want to take an edge here? You also have Drake, uh, Nugent, the center at Michigan from, uh, with JJ McCarthy, where maybe some interior depth, where are we thinking we should go here at uh, 148? I really like Grayson Murphy. Uh, he and his, uh, uh, twin brother transferred from North Texas. His twin brother's name is Gabriel. They're, I think they were 11 and 12. So yeah, not confusing at all, but (laughs) these guys are incredibly explosive players and 
they yeah. win from multiple alignments. And I think that's really, really important when you talk about how Brian Flores likes to play defense. It's not static. He likes to move guys around. Guys will be in the A gap, B gap. They'll be a Y nine. They'll, they'll play everywhere. And I think Murphy's going to give you a little bit of juice. He's a developmental guy. You're okay. going to have to work with him. You're going to have to, uh, really develop some of those little nuanced things, but there is a lot there to like from a pass rush profile. And I think you bring him into the building, you get him in on some situational downs, and then you can continue to develop him. kind of the same path that DJ Wanham was on for however many years, because Wanham was okay ish. And then this year he was legit good. Like sometimes it takes guys three, four years when you're a day three pick to really be able to blossom like that. And I think Murphy could be the next guy, I don't want to keep throwing day three picks at defensive ends, edge rushers and say, Hey, it could be the next Daniel Hunter because that's incredibly lazy. But I do like the idea of Britain in guys who have a good profile that you could try to develop. And at the very worst, they could be a rotational guy. Yeah. Well, you should be in this, in this range, bet on the traits, bet on the upside and athleticism. I think that's, that's where you should definitely be aiming. So yeah, I think that's a good spot. Yeah, a ton of games played, too, at UCLA, so he's he's definitely seasoned. Okay, back on the board, pick 160 here. We've taken a running back, taken a quarterback, we've taken a defensive lineman. Let's see where we should go here. A lot of offensive players, BPA. Cedric Gray is the best player on the board, according to PFF, um, and then there's a lot of offensive guys. I don't know if Gray's going to end up being on the Vikings board because one of the things with this defense is you have to be a sure tackler. And that's why right. guys like Osimo and Booth weren't playing nearly as much because they were drafted for a scheme where you didn't have to be a super good tackler because the idea is everybody crashes the football. But when you're aggressive and you do a lot of blitzing, that's not exactly a style you can play. You have to be a sure tackler in space. Gray missed 57 tackles over the last three years at North Carolina, including 19 last year. That, that doesn't necessarily scream Brian Flores is going to want this player. So I'm not sure if he would actually be a good fit for what the Vikings are trying to do, but he is aggressive downhill. He's got a lot of athletic positives, but if you can't tackle, none of that really matters. Okay. What alignment are available? Uh, oh, yeah. let's, go, let's go interior here. Make yeah. this a little easier. Trevor Keegan, Hunter Nazard, a bunch of guards here available. A little bit of a reach. We're back on the clock to a nine picks as yeah. well. So, I just know this could be a range where we look at that guard center um, yeah. depth. Um, last pick could have been that too, but um... Trevor Keegan, PFF didn't love him necessarily. No. Doesn't mean he's a bad prospect. Okay, let's look at Penn State. Okay, a little bit better here. Better in zone, better in run blocking, which again the Vikings have to get better at. Yeah. He is technically played both center, center and yep. guard. I think that's center important. and guard. Let's take it. Um, Let's do it. Let's take it. Let's take In these it. rounds, I'm all for it. Like, okay. why not know everything about these guys, but you're not going to get perfect prospects anyway. So. All right, so Vikings right back on the clock uh, at 169. Should we look at wide receiver? Forno, any wide receiver options here that intrigue you? So right off the bat, uh, Gould, no, sorry, Gould is in this draft. Bolden ended up transferring. Um, Moose Muhammad and Brew McCoy, they're not in this class. They went back okay. to school. This mm-hmm. simulator has not been updated to reflect that yet. Yeah. Um, the one guy I really like, and I think we've talked about on the show before, is David White Jr. from Western Carolina. True height, weight, speed guy. Uh, really uh, performed well and dominated at the Shrine Bowl. And if you're going to 
with what this wide receiver room is, everybody talks about how you want to make it a basketball team. Why do you want to make it a basketball team? You want to have guys that have different attributes and skill sets. And the Vikings really don't have an alpha as far as, hey, I want to throw this guy jump balls. I want to throw this guy contested catches. Yeah, get those fade routes. They're not exactly the the safest options. And obviously with the advent of analytics, we know more that like they're not great. But let's just be real. They're still thrown. And mm-hmm. to be able to trust the guy who can go up and get a lot of those, Jefferson Jefferson can do it, but it's not a specialty. And I think having a height, weight, speed guy, getting a big body guy who has a lot of juice on the outside could be a benefit. He also could stink, but you you take that risk in round five and you feel comfortable. Hey, let's see if we can develop it. Let's see if we can take it to another level. And if you can, it's awesome. If you can't, well, he's a fifth round pick. We We tried. Right. I mean, I, I don't I don't agree with saying that he's not like a, it's not like a, a specialty of his because I think he's arguably the best overall receiver, like in terms of jump ball in the league. But I, I get your point in having another they need another outside rece- uh, receiver because Addison and, and JJ can can inter- interchange. And so they need somebody that can win on the outside. So just two picks left, 179, 230. We haven't taken a cornerback at all. Uh, I believe yeah, we did. Was, we did. We did take we one. Took, uh, Tyree, uh, Kyrie Jackson. Yep. Okay. We did take one. So we take a linebacker then. What are the linebacker options? Yeah, we could look at linebacker and interior D line. Okay. Would probably be some of the, the key yep. areas, I'd say. Good call. Good wow. Call. PFF is low on Hopper and Ford. I yeah. thought that they would be viewed more as like like mid fifth round guys than sixth or seventh round guys. I like Hopper a lot. He's got a ton of juice. Um, as you can tell, some of the PFF grades are a little inconsistent. He's athletic and he pops off on film, but the consistency is not there, which I believe is why he's available at the spot. Okay. I, this is a guy I would take a chance on because mm-hmm. of the athleticism, because okay. of uh, some of those instincts. Now you still have to hone it. You still have to be able to get him to play a consistent brand of football, but I think you can get there with Hopper. And at the very All worst, right, so- I think he's going to be a dynamite special teamer and that's pretty good for round six. No kidding. Yeah. All right. Two thirty. Last pick in the draft here for the Vikings. Let's see. BPA has Tugga Viola out of Maryland on here. Is he going back? I to like school Evan Anderson. The no, he's Evan in the Anderson. draft. He's at the, the Shrine game. Yeah. yeah. He tried to go back and get another yeah. year of eligibility, That's and right. NCAA told him, hey, go get a job. So he's here. Um, <laughs> he's one like of those Evan, guys that, yeah. Go ahead. I like Evan Anderson a lot. Uh, look, he's going to be a run-stuffing nose, and he's yeah. not going to give you a ton of juice outside of that. But getting a, a guy who's got a specialty like that, like nose tackles historically are undervalued in the draft. You have a few guys who go high. Um, I remember Casey Hampton went in the early 2000s and he played for over a decade with the Steelers and was really, really good. Uh, Tavondre Sweat's probably going to go in round two. Mozzie Smith went in round one last year. Right. But you can get quality nose tackles as UDFAs or at the end of the draft. And I think having that guy is going to be so pivotal to really helping this defense go to another level because Smith played it. That's not his game. You want him uh, as like the zero one technique on pass rushdowns, but then you want to slide him over into that, into that B gap so he can really maximize what he's great at. And I would, I would try to get that run stuffer in to really make that easier for the defensive line. And I think Anderson could be a good player for you in that role. Yeah. And I think in the the last picks like that, seventh, late sixth, seventh round you really should be focusing on like special team guys that you could play special teams to be depth pieces or like specialty pieces like that where they're a run stuffer where you know you can rely on them in certain areas like that 
All right, here's the grade. We got an A plus for the trade for Jaden Daniels. That's that's graded A. Uh, the actual pick of Daniels is still an A. They hated the your only... pick, Ooh. Declan. They hated your pick. It's my pick. <laughs> uh, it's as interesting. Our overall grade is an A, but we got a D and an F grade for our center and wide receiver pick at 160 and 169, but still uh, cumulative in a grade A in this mock draft. So. Interesting. Got a quarterback, cornerback, running back, edge, center, wide receiver, linebacker, obviously, uh, and then defensive line as well. So, okay. Not a bad grade. I mean, we we'll did what it. we could with what we had after the trade-up. Like, I think exactly. we had, we addressed a lot of the needs, or at least depth pieces within the needs. So, um, And you got some upside with some of these guys, too. Okay. Add it. We'll add it to the list. We'll add it to the list. We'll be doing more mock drafts, uh, obviously, on Purple Daily on draft, too. So, Uh, Appreciate everyone listening. Hit that subscribe button, Daily Minnesota Vikings Entertainment. This is Purple Daily on Draft. We'll be talking at you next Monday.